Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. You're listening to the Ironbound Chest. Our topic for discussion this month is innovation. And today, we're sitting down with Ed from Alistair's Compass. Let's add some wealth to the chest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for opening the Ironbound Chest. My name is Austin Moraga, and today I'm joined by Ed, one of the creators for Hallister's Compass. Thank you for joining me, sir. It's been a wonderful pleasure to talk to you before we've begun recording now, and I cannot wait to really just dive into this project that you have going on here. Thank you. Thank you, Austin. I'm really pleased to meet you, by the way. Officially now on air. Officially on air, yes. <laughs> I love that. To get right down into things, this month's topic is all about innovation and change, talking about how the changes that you would like to see in the future of D&D or other tabletop role-playing games, including things like mechanics and subject matter, can really affect you and players and, and those around. But before we really get into things, I would love to know, and I know we talked about this before recording, but I would just love to know, how's your week been? Like, how generally have you been doing? Oh, fantastic. Thank you. No, it's it's quite tough at the moment because we're all in, in this lockdown, quarantine, stroke, corona period. We're coming out of it, and it's, I, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough on everybody. We all yeah. thought we'd all be sitting still doing nothing, <laughs> and quite the opposite happened. We had to deal with, you know, quite rightly family and and looking after everyone around us and it's it's been tough but uh my week's been very good thank you i've been finally getting on top of production for hallister's compass because it's not it, it's my burning passion but <laughs> i do have other responsibilities as well as, as again we were talking about before before you recording you know family and uh and work commitments to bring the money in while we do this so yeah um yeah i've, I've been good actually thank you and I'm, I'm really kind of you to ask well, good. I, I, I love to know that the, the people I get to talk to are doing well. And just I, it is just generally something that I am curious about and that I do care about because like I I do care about you on the under end of the slide. You know, it, and it's like because you are part of this community of D&D and TTRPG that like you help churn the gears forward and you really just help to expand what has been and what is and what will be and it's just something that is wonderful to me so no, absolutely and there's 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 such a strange such a tight relationship between dungeon masters and players that in in terms of a community that it's one of the few communities in in most social media and another another you know and, and real the fabrics of society from day to day that it's just really accepting and friendly about stuff yeah 
You know, I've seen people high five in the street going, you got the critical role last night. Lucky, <laughs> you know, lucky shot at the end of the night, that kind of thing. And, and, um, you know, it's such a prevalent game now, which yeah. is great to see that people are quite happy to talk about it. And, and it's out there and it's, it's great to see. So it's a really vibrant community. So thank you for asking again. And, and yes, we all, it's, it's nice. We everyone supports each other much more than, than I thought we would, which is good. Yeah. And, and it's something that's hopefully will be continued for many, many, many years to come. Well, my first question for you is my golden question, which I ask all of my guests when they come on. My golden question is, what do you treasure most about D&D? It's a good um, It's a good question. Um, <laughs> do you know what? It's, it's in terms of from my experience that's been um, unbroken over 30, 40 years, it's just absolutely having fun hey. and there's a certain magic about it once you're relaxed enough to talk about rolling the dice to hit a dragon hmm. or make make a you know we started with a ad version two where saving throws were were nail biting because you're literally going to storm out crying if you roll less than 14 on a poison save yeah uh, you know it was is rich literally about having fun and laughing about stuff and and trying to outwit things and people and what, but once you've got over the fact that you're you're rolling dice to kill dragons, it's a great leveler. If, if you yeah. can all speak about potty stuff like that, you're going to get on great. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, it's just about having fun. And I still talk to my friends now. I still have these friends, sorry, from 30 years ago from playing Dungeons and Dragons. So it's a great it's a great relationship builder as well. Yeah, I D and D is definitely something then and now that has has really cemented like you know lifelong friendships and for younger people today, hopefully cementing their friendships of the people around them that they're playing with for years to come. Whether that be on an actual around an actual table, even through online venues and ways like that. So I think it's something that just does bring people together because. D&D is just that it's it's a game where you bring together a bunch of adventurers, a bunch of friends, a bunch of uh, you know unfamiliar no ones and and you go on this epic, you know, journey. And who doesn't love an epic journey, you know? It is. But what's interesting what's what's in really interesting is I don't know whether they did this on purpose when they designed Dungeons and Dragons, you know, when Gygax put this together with his friends. But there is this interrelationship between the characters. So the cleric needs the fighter as much as the fighter needs the thief, as much as yeah. they all need the wizard. Albeit in those days, you could cast one one spell, and it was the poor chap who'd never played before picked light as his first. Oh spell. no! And everyone's like cringing because they, they need more than light. But the fact is that everybody needs each other. Yeah. And so once once you start playing as a you know it requires a team. And to be a team, you require trust. So everything starts to build up as you get to know people. Yeah. And and it creates it just creates some great bonds. And it's it's a leveler. It doesn't matter what you look like or anything like that. It's just really about having fun. Yeah. It, I, suppose, I think it makes you take off your protective armor, your your cloak around you about your fears about being taking yourself seriously. And of course that means you're really getting to know somebody and you're chatting away. And you just start to have fun. Yeah. And, and that's just something that pulls people in and, and keeps them there, I think. And it's just, it's something that in, in the 
the state of the world as it is, is something that is for a lot of people, I think a kind of a cushion for, for these, you know, terrible things happening and just, you know, insecurity and just fear. And it, it creates like a blanket of comfort almost of comfort and fun. I think that people need right now. So more so than ever. Yeah. This far yeah. on, what's next? I want to just really dive into Halister's Compass. We've talked quite a bit about it before we recorded, and I there's just so much in it, I feel like, that we can just talk about it for hours, or at least I could. And it's it's something that is again, I think from what I've I've read about it, I've seen about it, it looks like something that will be a fantastic addition to the fifth edition D&D, just like adventure archives, I guess I'll say. So I would love it if you just go ahead and, and tell our listeners all about Halister's Compass from one of the creators yourself. Well, thank you very much. I'll be, I'll be brutally honest, because I don't want to um, uh, uh, create a false pretense, so Hannes's Compass was originally written in second edition of you know, AD&D, Forgotten Realms. Okay. But of course, to bring this to the, you know, one of the big questions I get asked on Twitter, which is our ma- main platform just for grabbing me for a chat. Hmm. Um, but we're on the other platforms as well. If you want to see our artwork or you want to see some, some Easter egg stories we're putting together on Instagram. But one of, the, one of the real questions I get asked a lot is, how come it's taking you so long to get this converted from second edition to fifth edition yeah the story was written 30 years ago and we set ourselves a goal when we were dming these these games some were one shots part of it and then became part of a campaign i'll explain shortly Uh, and we're falling around laughing having such great fun trying to solve a really big big philosophical question yeah Um, people say to us well how's it taking so long to change it and one of those things is if to go to Kickstarter, I have to, or my colleague and I have to change this from DND to DND, you know, yeah. uh, make it let to make it non DMs Guild. And and I don't hold a grudge against it or anything. That's I accept the copyright. I understand that. But that has empowered us further to give the story some more mature strength, as I was telling yeah. you about before we started recording. Um to uh, to break some of the some of the constraints we suffered when we were much younger and and had uh, you know trouble expressing ourselves as teenagers when we were putting together um, our story yeah so so Hannes's compass started second edition AD and D Forgotten Realms is being translated to fifth edition for a Kickstarter adventure and it is heavily influenced on. Um, one of my all-time favorite films because I was writing the stories at the time was Time Bandits. I don't know whether you know. Have you you seen Time Bandits, the film? I want to say I might have seen it when I was very young. I love love the fact uh, people haven't and and it's great because it is a classic. And what we loved about it was one of the problems we had as kids playing Dungeons and Dragons was time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, not, Not in the modern day sense, you, you, you cycle around someone's play a game for the weekend and if half the party weren't there, they didn't want you to play the carry on where they left off. Right. Oh, you can't finish that adventure because you know, Simon's not here, John's not here. We'll start another one. We'll have another one shot. When, when we can meet them next week, we can 
go back and finish this one. Yeah. So we we had this forever problem of of um, trying to fit in these different these different games. Anyway, so to keep this you know really relevant on point, we um, Hannes's Compass is, is ten adventures set across now a settingless campaign that can be plugged into anywhere. So That's some it. of the time has been taken the adventures where they were in Forgotten Realms and de copywriting them. And I, like I said, okay. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not complaining about that at all. So one of the things we're looking to do is to give a supplement that is the original, to release to DMs Guild, the original um, Forgotten Realms setting games. Okay. So, you, so nice. you could have an option of having these played any way you want or go big, go back to Forgotten Realms. So so Halas's Compass as a whole, and, and before anyone starts, when I said Forgotten Realms, it's not Halas the Black Cloak, who's the uh, Archmage of Undermountain. Yes. Was Halaster in our world because he wasn't even around at the time we were writing stuff. Halaster Brightstar's a druid who is the poor chap is slain, brutally murdered, and all that's left is a journal from his wife and his musings of his investigations because he believed there was a world hidden from our sight, hidden between the walls, as he called it. <laughs> plain sight. There was another world where we live um, in our peaceful empire that we we can't be seen it, but it's here. And he mused about how to open that door to that world. And when he believed he was on the crux of of cracking this and opening the world to these forgotten riches and this great, you know, utopian peace, he was brutally murdered. And some some muse is because the people or beings came from the other side of the other world and slew him before he could open the door and then retreated back in. But this is all part of, of... you know, Halaster's compass is about his journal is um, how to make a compass to find these hidden portals into this other world. Ooh. As the party go on these 10 adventures, which were given in, in uh, this box set, they are beset by eldritch powers that try to sway them to do one thing or another. And God, it's, that's all, good. it's all quite, it's all quite, there's so much going on. You're never sure what's happening. That's what we like to think. Yeah. My God. I, yeah, it's, it seems just, uh, I'm losing my words because it's just unfathomable to me that, you know, you've, you've started this in, you know, AD and D and it's, it's now coming to the fifth edition and, you know, they've, they've sort of done stuff like that with pre-published adventures from i think it was tsr that used to publish things absolutely got tons of them yeah from tsr and all those and they've kind of you know bumped it up to a 5e setting but that's you know that's already a pre-published thing people know that adventure for the most part and older players who are maybe coming into a fifth edition sort of you know table they have, you know, ideas of the past meets present and all these kind of things, though. But Halaster's Compass seems to be a, a wonderful bridge almost between those two that is player made. It's settingless, which is very unique, I think, because you don't really see a lot of those. You know, you can you can try to do stuff like that with the published adventures that they have now, but sometimes, you know, you, you get things that don't work well, things that don't muddle and it just, and might become a problem, but, but Halister's compass does seem to be something that is, will work wonderfully for those who are 
you know, looking to incorporate this even into their own homebrew worlds. Yes. And that's something fantastic. And it is just going to be great, I think. So, well, I hope so. I mean, one of the things that always got us was two things as teenagers. We sat around musing, well, because half the time you're waiting for your mate to turn up because mobile phones aren't around and we didn't <laughs> have a phone in the house. Yeah. So, half the time you're waiting because you've arranged at school to meet one of your mates, or, you know, you'd be over that morning to come play D&D. Mm-hmm. So, we used to muse about real problems because, of course, if this weekend our party is in Amber Castle, uh, yeah. next weekend we're going back to the dungeon or the you know the slave slave pits of the slave city or whatever it was the yeah. one adventures how, how do you get from a to b how how do we go from when we, how did our party miraculously because right. we're not using the same characters you see we loved using our characters we were we were kind of stuck with them we didn't want to have another set of characters yeah what's well, so that baloney so um we were always stuck with, with trying to reason away how we got from a to b and that's where something like Time Bandits was was such a, for these setting adventures, such a driver. Because in the, the film, the, the young boy receives a map, inexplicably, of all the, the portals, the gates throughout the universe to go between yeah. any time in the world that he wants. Or, or not that he wants, but he if he's in danger, he's looking for a gate to go somewhere and it could go backwards in time, forwards or sideways or whatever. Yeah. So um, it was a great um, MacGuffin, a great tool, plot device to get the story moving wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And for us, it helped us when we were trying to explain because we like to re- like to reason things, you know, um, to like to accept what we're what we're playing. It helped <laughs> us explain how we got across across the forgotten realms from one side to another <laughs> for one weekend's game to then appear the next weekend back again. Yeah. That I'm doing any travel. That's how we kind of we were reasoning away how we were doing what we were doing, and then we just put together this fantastic com- campaign that that I mean it wasn't set in us in Forgotten Realms, but they were all over that the dungeons were all over Forgotten Realms. Yeah, interlinked by this this kind of way of crossing the realms quickly mm-hmm. without using uh, kind of cheating and saying, "Oh, well, we just brought wizards teleporters." Because teleport in those days was dangerous. You, you rolled too low, you died. You know, it was just there's a reason people didn't queue in the marketplace to buy a teleport spell. Yes, because half and never arrived to the other end. That kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's dangerous. So, uh, portals wasn't things like um, sigil and and um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the place now. But some of the uh, you know the the whole portal and stuff wasn't really in law yet. Mm. They were just starting to come out with spell jammer and things like this. Oh, interesting! So, yeah, um, because people people were exploring D anD D and just challenging. Well, what's the calendar? What does an orc know? It's Sunday, or what's the time we're using? Or, or <laughs> is, if there's a moon, what's on the moon? You know, right? Gary Gygax was desperately trying to search answers for this, whereas the rest of us just wanted to know what we got when we killed the orc. But sorry to keep this on focus for you because I do wander off. Sorry. So No, no, it's fine. I, I I love to hear about the the inner workings of, you know, my guests' minds and as well of just like how how our subject like, you know, takes them from point A to point B because it's something that, you know, you're very passionate about. And so I, I want to hear it. So we had a fantastic long summer and we played this one campaign we put together and it was a real challenge because we wanted to well, I especially wanted to just absolutely push people to the limit on, on a really good story because everything up to then was 
you know, rescue the princess, kill a dragon, kill an ultimate evil, find a wizard, you know. And, and TSR, by the way, let's not knock this. There's some great stuff. Barrier Peaks, White Plume Mountain. I mean, real Tomb of Horrors, which was not one I DM'd, but I must have, I died at such stupid, simple. <laughs> I was the party wizard and I climbed in the Annihilate mouth. I mean, that was it, game. Oh, my gosh. And so little things like that, that we must have played like five or six times. And every time, every room, we just started dying. <laughs> <laughs> I was Kenny from South Park. Oh, my gosh. That'd be but, 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 but it got, got funny after a while. And, it got, it, and you know, one of, the, one of the real joys of Hallister's Compass is its comedy is sewn through it. And That's good. And everything in it is there for a reason. And that so there are three tenants. Look at that. I, I must apologize to your listeners. 25 minutes in, and I'm only telling you now. There are three tenants <laughs> that drive Hallis's compass. That is, nothing's just there for granted. You know, gone yeah. the days of, oh, it's just a random peasant. Well, the peasant has a job and the peasant has a backstory. And if, if left alone, the peasant does the following. But it's also right. the core tenant is comedy there's everything's interwoven and then the third and important one which we didn't do when we were 30 years ago because we just fallen around laughing in a room rolling dice 5e now is a lot of it's online or a lot of it's um time poor so you get together for an evening you've got a two-hour window we've, we've got to keep flow we can't break flow we need the experience to be fun and and to keep flowing right. what i mean by that is we don't want you because um, we, because when you introduce us, Austin, we're talking about innovation and change and mechanics. We've got to keep this so you're not scratching around looking at rule books. You're not like, right. you know, or, or my other favorite is you have so many special powers. Mm-hmm. I've gotten one, and you're slain by a ghoul, and you're like, oh, 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 can, can we just unwind a minute because um, I, 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 I wouldn't have died because I could do the following. Right, um, and so we wanted to make it. So how do we keep flow? when we bring this story forward so flow comedy and the fact that everything has a reason and the, and of course the first one therefore makes people go bonkers mad as they're, they're they're trying to work out well is he part of the master plot or is this a side quest or oh yeah is this is this did i just kill someone really important <laughs> just, yeah was, was that really evil or was that not evil you know so <laughs> Because I like that kind of stuff, and and we have an answer to the age-old question of the um, um. There was a phrase that came out some years ago: murdering hobos. I don't know where oh, yeah. the slang. It's mildly derogatory, obviously, but but we need to find something more neutral. But where the slang came from, but you know, meaning that people would turn up at a village and murder everybody, right? Just and a party would they're bored, just go around killing everything because Dungeons and Dragons was reduced to dice rolling and just seeing what they had. Yeah, and um, so we've got a great mechanic in there. To uh, it's called the posse. So if if, if you're going to go around murdering mm. people, you're going to get hunted down. But um, but that detracts you from the story, really. But the, we, we've introduced, uh, we brought the comedy in that kept us laughing. All the, I mean, these, and these are all stuff from the original story, plus a few others from the test play that have come out, and people said, ah, oh, that that secondary character was so cool. Can we, can we, uh, can you grow on that? Can you tell us more about why they were there or could they not be in other, other of those modules too? So we could interact with them again. Cause they were just great. 
Yeah. And of course the flow, because the DM, you know, the DM doesn't want to be scratching around. He, he does some prep for this or he or she, so he does some prep for this and they want to need, they want to have a fun night as well. It's as much for the DM as it is the player. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. Absolutely. Right there. So I've, I've wandered off track. Sorry. Cause you just said, how did you get this set? You know? No, no, it, it's fine. Honestly, like this is it, every time one of my guests might say something like this, I just want to affirm to you, like this is an episode about you. It's not about anyone else. I don't want to talk about really anyone else. I want to talk about you and what your passion is in this world of D and D. So, but thank you though so much for obviously sharing all these. Uh, uh, I I love to hear like the beginnings of something like this because it's one. It's just amazing to know that it started so many years ago, you know, and and it's now becoming something for this generation of players as well as you know obviously you still have generational players from way back in the day from even the, you know the first iterations of D still playing and it's yes. i just find it amazing that you can you can bring something like that i would like to ask you though i i'm curious to know if the story of halister bright star has changed much and no spoilers or anything like that but i just want to know if if halister bright star himself like the the general gist of this adventure has has diverged very far from what it was when you guys were first playing this. If I'm honest, yes, it has. And the reason, the true reason is when, when you're going to publish something in print, you've got to put in, you've got to allow for the unexpected. So, you know, someone will always print a map of, um, you know, the hexagon hexagon paper and you draw out your little area you're going to play in and you put in the village and you put the town around and the cave system and things mm-hmm. there's always one party for one dm and they've wandered to the right of the map and they're and, and they're set on keep on going they really aren't going to change <laughs> their mind and they're leaving your your hexagon hex right and, um so we had to allow for when we when we put in the fact that everyone is there for a reason we had to allow for all the left field or whatever the great American saying is, you know, the outer field catches or, or the things that are going to just throw you. We right. needed to, because as a, as a GM in those days that the party didn't realize they weren't, didn't really have much free will. They could, mm. they could pick in the tavern what they were going to order. They could decide if they were going to sleep there that night or not, but they didn't know they were going to do this task or, or you know, we're going to finish this quest. Um, so we we had to allow for what ifs and a few more and some of the maturing list from our adventure to 5e was building that world so the dm could could go and do their own thing because it's setting list right could wander off and um that took that took an extraordinary amount of brain power to tie up some loose ends on on people because people stood the, the npc backgrounds yeah, um, to, to make sure that there was that crossover. If if someone didn't finish a didn't finish a core task, because they, they could choose not to. What and why should they? You know, don't have to do these things. Yeah, because um, this is an adventure for people. If they're totally evil or totally good, it could be whatever the party wants to be. So we 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 had to. It didn't change so much as we put more variance in. So the succinct answer is the, sto- the core story hasn't changed. 
mm-hmm. we've added more variants so that we can catch what other people might want to do. Right. I love that. Uh, it kind of delves into something that I've heard and, and you know, really not just heard, but experience called player agency. And I feel like, and I'm, and again, I'm a very new player to this in terms of how experienced you are, but, and you, and you mentioned that, you know, players back then, they hadn't really caught on that they didn't have that much agency. And it's just an interesting little tidbit right there of info, just like, how far the game itself has changed and how that relationship between DM and player has changed even. And just the idea that the players themselves are growing and determining like, Hey, this is an adventure that we're all having to, you know, come together on even the DM, but we ourselves are able to mold and change this adventure to how we might like to see it fit. Yes. And I just think it's interesting. It's true because there is a very subtle shift that people didn't see coming where when we were DMs, you know, you you turned up with a sheet and the the DM, you know, was all, is still all powerful, but but controlled far more. And there's been a shift in moving material to the player's handbook that's in control of the player now. Right. And players sometimes come to a table with a character the DM's never seen or heard of, and yep. you know, the, you know and, and oh, I've got this. I've got this magic pint glass, and um, <laughs> whenever I hold this pint glass up, people people stop and stare. So they have to make a save, or they're hypnotized. And the DM's thinking, "Crikey, I'm not going to fit this in," you know. <laughs> Whereas when you're in a younger kind of out of Stranger Things kind of D and D DM. That giving you that magic item, you, you didn't write it down on your sheet or write your right. backstory. You, you'd got it from killing something. So, yeah, there was far. You know, you were far more uh, already led down a trail and given far less of choice than you are now. Um, so it's changed. A, it's changed a long way, and it's taken yeah. us some. When we were, like I said, bringing this up to the copyrightless. Uh, state it's taken us a lot of of um, work and it was also great fun as well because we've had some of the variants of where the story could go we've we really enjoyed writing some of the comical things right which, which i'll enlarge on shortly because i want to want to give you guys a, a reason to be interested in halister's compass <laughs> so yeah no so so that was that has been a huge huge change that's good. I think it's very important, though, for for change and something like this to happen, especially because it seems like it it was changed in the right direction. That is, as I don't think, just does anything but help out you guys making this, the people who are going to play it, and everything. Just seems like it'll work out better. You've been talking about, you know, before we started recording, and even now, all about, you know, way back whenever you first started playing, and and all your buddies back then. I, I have a I have a little question I would like to ask you about that. Fire. Compared to then and now, have you changed up the way that you play or even just DM your 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 games from when you first started playing D and D to now since since there's been so much change? Uh, the answer has to be yes. I mean, some of it's subconscious, of course, because I've changed as a person. I've matured, mm-hmm. and. Um, I mean, I'm not saying our table was ever, because I love that phrase. I never used to have this phrase on the table, but it, it is so true, of course. Yeah. It's never, um, 
we never had any rules then because we were, we were in a village in the middle of nowhere and we had to cycle everywhere. It was kind of the English version of Stranger Things, except <laughs> no one disappeared on the way home. <laughs> That's good. And uh, we, well, we used to get up some stupid things, but no one disappeared. And um, uh, of course we have. I mean, uh, things things are a bit more bu- uh, because they were more no different from the kind of medieval days when a stranger comes into your village, wanders in late late in the day, you know, and someone joins your table from afar, you know, um, introduce everybody, you explain the rules as in the table rules. Yeah. And you know, you're far more welcoming. And sometimes we have a, a like we did earlier, have a quick chat just to kind of understand and gel and just get some conversation moving. Yeah. To, to understand each other. And you do all these things to put people at ease because we're all nervous. Everyone's nervous about everything normally, let alone these days when things are even worse. Yeah. Uh, just, just to make people feel at home and comfortable. And, you know, we're going to play a game. We're going to have fun. Go right back to the word fun from the word go. Yeah. It is all about fun. It's good. It's and, very and, and, you know, Like I said, we want this story. We want our box set to just be a cracking good laugh. Yeah, I th- I think it really will. And it's, <laughs> I would like to ask real quick, though, when is the because I either I'm just not seeing it on your website, and I'll edit this out to where it flows better. Probably, I would love to know just when it is that Halas's Compass is set for like the full release. Oh, it's a really good question. And you know what, what we've learned when we um decided to launch Halas's Compass, originally, we were going to just do the Kickstarter and run with it. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to generate some awareness um, yeah. and started by just talking to people about things, but people were still very like, Oh, it's an interesting story. Da, da, da. And we said, you know what? Right. It's 10, it's 10 settlers adventures to solve uh, one of the seven archetypes of a story it starts as a quest, which then can go either way. And it's got some really interesting twists, uh, to, you know, the hero's journey and all that kind of um, great descriptive work. Yeah. When we when we we wanted to give somebody something to show that this was just top notch, so we went right. We're gonna we're gonna release the first story, mm-hmm. the first adventure. So we started. We, we I wrote it because I had I've, it's all done already. I just converted it up, and then when I got the playtesters to look at it, and the local team uh, who are outside of my social group, so we had an objective view. They were like, "Yeah, but it needs to be really hard hitting." So then we wrote more detail which we already had but again we brought it into the now as we speak Mm -hmm. about the employer the person that needs you to open the chest the cason of ages which is the relic from the dawn of time when the gods the gods it's the god's own chest of their own secrets wow and um this fellow owns it called the employer and he's this mystical character and the history of the employer is as teenagers we're all desperately trying to avoid employment <laughs> we're all worried we're all worried in fear about going to get our first jobs so we invented this character called the employer who gets you to do things <laughs> which was and this is guy's got this problem he has this this art this relic called the um Casson of ages that's, that holds the tools of creation or so he believes mm-hmm. and he'd like you to open it so he sends you on a quest so we went out and and the guy said, "You've got to, you've got to give them something. You've got to show people this is because this stuff's it. This stuff's killer. You've got to show, give them something to bring them in." 
Yeah. So the, every time we wrote a bit, we had to write a bit more or the piece we first gave away didn't make sense. Oh, so, yeah. So the thing we're giving away for free at the start of the Kickstarter to, to draw you to your attention to us and gain awareness, which which is how we met you on Twitter and we were explaining we're gonna, we'd love to showcase this stuff, is there's a prophecy, which we're going to give the prophecy scroll out. There is this nem- this, this neutral, yet you're not sure whether he's the, the good or the bad guy in this whole story called the employer. And he gets you to do stuff. Who um, has what he has the Casson of Ages in his presence? In his is, is his he owns it Ooh. relic that he believes has the tools of creation in it, and he needs to open it because it has no lock and is unopenable. And that is our the, uh, the Casson of Ages is our biopic on our Twitter account. And nice. um, so we give you the prologue adventure of how you find how he finds you, how he gets you into his company. Oh. And then we give you the first adventure when he sends you out to try and he believes the key is hidden in another world, the world that Hallister was looking for with Hallister's compass. And that is how it all starts to tie together. Nice. And and the story is so interwoven that you don't have to solve the whole thing. You you don't have to do anything really, but you don't. Or, or you can go down every side quest and, and understand every nuance of why this happened or this didn't happen. Yeah. I kind of love that. So the guy needs, the, the employer needs the compass to, to open this other world where he believes the key is. The key can find the Casson of the Ages, which he believes has the tools of creation in them, and he wants them. And the reason he wants the key is because the key is the can find the Casson wherever it is in the material world. So he reasons if someone else finds the key, they'll, um, you know, if people understand he's got the tools of creation locked away in his back cupboard, mm-hmm. they're going to go looking for the key. They get the key, they find him, they could probably kill him because he's, you know, simply the employer. Yeah. He's no God. So his job is find it before someone else does because then no one can find him. Right, and, and then he'll have the tools of creation. That's his rationale, which is not necessarily correct. But that's down for the party. The party are simply the people sat in the pub going, "You, you want me to do what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just came in for a swift half. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you know. So that was the story which we started one weekend when not everyone turned up, and then after a while, it we gained such a following that. It was our summer blockbuster before oh, wow. we went to uni. And um, we were still talking about it 30 years later. So to end, sort of bring you around to how you, when you first asked me how we got here, 30 years later, we were we felt we we're in a position where society is more open to it. It's easier to start these things, to get this out there than it would have been yeah. in a fanzine, in a black and white print 30 years ago, which We've hmm. got coverage. We, we can the digital age will help us now. We want to bring that story out there. It's good, and the time it's taken. So your question was, Ed, when's Kickstarter launching? See, I remember now. <laughs> and the reason it's taken so long, we wanted to launch last Christmas. Oh, okay. But the guy said you've got to give people something. You're going around. You're telling them this great thing. I've seen your notes. I've seen your maps. I love it. I love it. But you know, you can't. You can't wait till people buy into you to then create that 
as in um, have that materially made. Right. Go, you know, give something out there. So one of the good things about what we're doing now, which is which may sound difficult to people, is that we've learned tons of great things from the mistakes we've made because mm-hmm. we have produced this sample that we're putting out there. And um, it just took us so many. We had so many knocks. First, the play tester said, I don't understand this part, which, of course, breaks flow. Then we had other people going, well, it's kind of funny, but but not in the way I, not a ha-ha, that's kind of sad funny. We're like, oh, no, we didn't mean it like that. So, <laughs> so the tenant, everything has to be, you know, we wanted recurring comedy. Right. And then, of course, the first one was we wanted to, you know, to to be enjoyable and, and a mystery. So, you know, other other aspects came back for me that the artists who were doing stuff for us saying, oh, I just don't kind of get this bit. It's just not, not conveying the right thing to me. Hmm. Not as articulate. So, all the time, stuff helped us. Uh, these challenges helped us get the material together, but it's taken far longer and slipped. So, to answer your question, yeah. it was last November, last Christmas, and we're probably going to go at the latest this Christmas, but if not slightly earlier. Nice. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited for it. It looks beautiful. Definitely, you know, a ton of flood, sweat, and tears have been shed over this thing, surely. Just the way that I love a good story about, you know, what we've been talking about, how things come to such a height after, you know, its conception, all the changes that it endures to something that is just, you know, beautiful and amazing. And speaking speaking a little bit of that and, and still going with, you know, the past still in your long, long past in it that is very impressive. We are on the fifth edition on D and D, and you started, yes, and you started way, way back in there. Do you feel like there were any changes that have been made in the past editions of D and D that you thought maybe should have stayed? Oh, I'm. I get accused of being a grognard by my friends for <laughs> wishing like the Thacko was so easy. You know, I just yeah. I had to wear full plate plus five and you could all just bugger off. <laughs> Excuse my French. So, um, no, um, well, that's a tough one because I, I see what they've been trying to do and it's, it's so easy to get on a one bandwagon or another and argue whether this rule or that. We used to play alongside D&D. We used to play Cthulhu, um, oh. Age of Arthur, I think it was called, or Pendragon, sorry, and Traveller. Traveller was pretty awesome. I think there's a lot of things Dungeons & Dragons stole from Traveller to keep to, to, in, to increase flow, but then mm-hmm. got bogged down in by giving the players in the player's handbook so much material that often things slow down because the player's forgetting stuff, you know. Right. See all these different things at different levels. How are you supposed to remember them? Yeah. And it's almost like in a computer game. I always, I always inherently pick all the passive abilities because I'd have to remember them if I'm fighting. Yeah. And I've leveled up. I take all the passive stuff as is always on. It's perfect. Right. You know. Then in combat, when you got to remember three things, you know, hit, dodge, whatever. So I can't answer your question fully because I, I don't. I don't want to take a side on that one about anything yeah. should have been kept. But I must admit, two or three of the things that I think Dungeons & Dragons stole, but stole for the better, definitely advantage, disadvantage, mm. things like inspiration points, which 
there's a game called Paranoia we used to play as well and Judge Dredd and others. I'm sure one of the systems used to have a hero point thing because we used to, in our day, Dungeons and Dragons was so brutal, you'd be dead quickly. And, and I was great at dying. I would... <laughs> Some was some of it was lack of intelligence. I mean, just I'd be just daft. And other days, it was so obvious. I still did it and died. And, and I was often a thief. And combat was bad in those days. Our DM, when it wasn't my turn to DM, would give out hero points if you did something really good. Would hero point, which meant you could unwind any situation because Ooh. you know I could just. It just meant we didn't have to get scrounge around to save up for a resurrect scroll or something. Yeah. So a more wish spell or whatever. And, it, and it, it kind of felt more like in the Hollywood flow that way. I used the yeah. hero point and you definitely move to the left and the scythe goes to the right and misses you. Um, so I think where D&D is going in some direction, there's been some great stuff like advantage, disadvantage, that sort of thing. Um, that's been really helped the flow. Yeah. But where I think flow has got bogged down is in the player's handbook, but not for a bad thing at all. Because hmm. players now more so than ever before come fully genned up. And yeah. forget sometimes if, if you try and berate a dungeon master, he, he can get you a different way. If he's if he's really if he's if you're really annoying, he'll 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 entrap you some other way. Don't worry. That's that's very true. As a DM myself, I can definitely do that. And it's very fun sometimes. <laughs> you're callous sod. <laughs> I love it's, that. It's though. difficult because one of, one of the okay, we want to appeal to the DM because the DM's the guy running the show, right? And you want a good evening, and watching how your players interact with the scenario. That so, am I allowed to give a spoiler away? Can I give a spoiler? Sure. So the reason our the reason our adventures are settingless is each each adventure is a piece of time captured. So again, you're thinking the time bandits was a great, mm-hmm. but a great powered us up in our imagination. Right. So each adventure is is a piece of time that's that's stuck. That's where a decision was made badly, and the whole thing is is captured so the players can undo a great wrong, or or make bad a great right. If that makes sense. Interesting. Fork in destiny. It's a fork in destiny where it could have gone one way or another. Yeah. And um, this will all unravel as as they, because of course they're trying to open the chest, or they think they are, uh, or which is the Kasson of Ages, which holds the tools of creation. Mm-hmm. So obviously something's happened throughout time, and these adventures are all these snapshots of time. These is things that forks in destiny where something can be undone. And so as a great example of comedy, for instance, is is we have a monastic order that are were creatures and they are one of because you will end this on and i apologize for taking so long while i'm talking to you but i've enjoyed our chat we'll end on innovation of how we bring you some new mechanics but there's this monastic order and they are um were creatures yeah and they're one of the factions so we bring factions to the game where factions provide benefits to the if you join them or if you don't join them yeah factions benefits to their attack mode etc mm-hmm. so there's a monastic order anyway one of their one of their problems in life is because they're wear creatures is they have this habit they've, they've got this fetish for shoes <laughs> they like stealing shoes and um one of their um 
onboarding or what's the word when you when you join a a cult or you uh, uh, uh initiation, initiation. ceremonies is they must go out at night under full moon and they must steal shoes from a traveler oh my gosh so, good. wherever that is and um unfortunately a a traveler of great merit woke up one morning to find his shoes stolen and mm. while then stumbling through the forest that day was um set upon and and murdered ruthlessly and came back as a revenant Ooh. and he was so put out because he believed that he would have escaped that he would have escaped and been alive if he hadn't had his shoes stolen because he stumbled when running with barefoot through a you know rocky rocky road rooted you know <laughs> he sets upon this monastic order murdering them all because they stole his shoes oh my gosh and to put life, to put time, destiny, to put things right, put put in a bubble, then put that whole place in a bubble, to, in another in another kind of frozen space of time, that the monastic order aren't murdered. So they oh are my gosh. one fork of destiny. They are, and another they're not. I love so that. What, what is it? Why is it that, that monastic order needed to be saved from being murdered? What, yeah. what was their purpose that they would have fulfilled if they had not been murdered? And oh um, so the players stumble upon them. And, and of course, every time, so to give the DM something fun to talk about, every time they're um, having a conversation with someone in the order, whether it be the uh, the chief, uh, chief's the wrong word in a monastic order, the, you know, the head monk or something. Head monks always, always yes. looking downwards and always, you know, like, um, oh, are those leather sold? <laughs> and then his, his number two's going, <laughs> 18 laces no less oh really 18 laces you know they're always oh fascinating and so we we kind of bring this we bring this humor in over time and that at some point one of the characters may well end up wake up one morning going bloody hell someone's nicked the shoes overnight in the tent oh my gosh so you, and, and there's a reason or a, but but why why they do it and and it all becomes apparent that they are aware creatures and of course don't know about you, but foxes where I am still shoes and always have when I've been in the countryside. Oh my gosh. You your boots out, they're still your wellies and more them. So <laughs> this is kind of all, and every faction has, um, has a comedic element to it. And every faction has a benefit for their faction when they're fighting. Yeah. So, so if we, if you, if you want Austin, when we want to, you know, we talked about innovation at the start, yeah. one of the new things we, what we want to do is a mechanic to give fun to a Halaster's compass and event. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please. Yeah. Was it's faction orientated. So you start in the middle and you can go one way or another and mm-hmm. the employer himself is a faction. Oh, and um, a very interesting one that you can join driven by a deck of cards. You draw the DM gets to have a, a draw from the deck as well. And each suit um, addresses a different drive or a different ability. Okay. So, Heart is damage or saving throw. Diamond is, you know, affects affects rolls to uh, to rolls to one thing. So each each of the four suits affects something on your rolls. One affects initiative. One affects damage. One affects saving throws. One affects to hit. I love that. And the DM also gets a draw because he's playing the other characters, as in the you know he's playing the factions they're meeting. Right. And then, so they have these on a central card, or, or we used to play this anyway. In this, one of the 
things the test players are having trouble with they're bringing to us is how to bring us the digital the digital table but we're getting there mm-hmm. is um we'd have this on the center center mat and it it helps that the group this will got us round in second edition ad and d so ruthlessly being murdered so quickly even uh-huh. by goblins is that if i if our party have a five of diamonds for instance we might we, we can shift damage by five interesting but we use up the card but we get to draw a card when things happen if we've completed successfully something the gm feels is successful and we have this is our mechanic give those the rules for that right but the gm also has these so he can trump you so he might say oh i can never be surprised and i won initiative and he goes oh yes i got the four of spades and that's going to affect initiative by four so i'm going to beat you oh man uses his card up. and if he um if he you know if you flee that encounter maybe he draws a new card because you fled yeah you can use man. that faction eventually there are four factions in or five including the employer and and you get no benefit until you join a faction interesting you join a faction the you you suffer the the uh negative effect of the other factions you're fighting against so you can either be objective and free of everything and above it all Mm -hmm. receive no benefit or you can be drawn into the game of the employer while he's trying to undo or open the casson of the ages god i love that it's so cool so there's mechanics, there's comedy, and the thing that's taken us time is getting the flow. But, and I think we've got it. Yeah. There's less looking up stuff. You don't whine about it. It's all. It's about having fun. Yeah, fun. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Brings us back to the start. Of the fun. They, I love it. It's perfect. It's so good. But no, I, I love the way you're integrating all those things in there. Definitely is something that I think 5th edition especially like wants you to do is to change it up to what works for you or what you find enjoyable, what you can bring to the table. And they really free stuff up in the way of like, you can do this. And it is up to the DM to say, yeah, sure. We we can do that. Like we can roll with that. Or, you know, obviously he can say no, but I think it's, it's much more enjoyable for each person's, you know, gaming table, to have something different that they change up about the game. And I love that Alice's Compass has these, you know, this deck of cards mechanic and everything and, and the, the faction that ties both of them together. And I think it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, the deck, obviously this is, you know, this is not original stuff. This is, we, we, we love the deck of many things when we were kids. Right. We'd keep drawing until someone's annihilated, then go, does, does a wish spell undo it? And the DM's like, no, you kept drawing. You just kept going. Yeah. We're gambling. Yep. But we've um, we played around loads to get it to be faster. And Because originally when I was giving it to the artist, because the deck of cards, each card is also a spot in somewhere within all, all 10 adventures. So all 52 mm-hmm. cards are actually locations. Yeah. And if you're actually holding that, if, that, if your card is on the table at the time, you're at a location, a DM can read you something different or can yeah. enact some different. And it's in the text. It's called, cool. it's, it's good fun. Nothing, nothing that doesn't hinder you if you haven't got the card. Yeah. But, um, it's all about, we tried to keep the, when we had the artist first feedback, they went, no, no it's, it's, you know, this is just too, too long winded. You've got to speed it up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we refined the faction stuff and eventually people were, you know, we had to go, no, no, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, not game of cards. <laughs> you know and they're like oh but do we use it do we not you know and, and of course we'll amplify things if you get three of a kind Ooh, 
then then that's double points for each thing. Oh, I can um, I could take six off of my six onto or off of my to hit roll, or six on my save, or oh six my gosh, six more hit points, not just three. If I had three threes, for instance, I could double up to six. I love that. That's so cool. Kind of so you, you're playing a bit of Texas Hold'em with a <laughs> DM while trying to beat seven bells out of Goblin Tribe, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, that is going to be so much fun. I, I can just see having a blast with that. It, well, Austin, thank you. In it. And we like, we so far it's come back very positive. And, yeah. and to repeat again, the reason, you know, he said, Why, when's this going to launch? And we were delayed by some time. It's because the feedback's been, get it right. You know, yeah love it but um i spent more time trying to look up a you know look up a table when i'm rolling the dice than actually thinking well i know the rules yeah yeah and that's so, important absolutely so the new paradigm we're introducing is is the faction system but it's just yeah. really straightforward and that left the artists some great because I, well, I haven't spoken about and i apologize to my team or to the team is we have a really talented team absolutely brilliant who have brought this alive and you've seen that from the website halisterscompass.com yeah the typesetter is just genius never leave home without a typesetter <laughs> wayne hodgkinson a shout out to you and they are bringing this stuff alive and it's their feedback that made this flow what we call flow yeah faster so we're really excited and we really want to get this out there and it's it's you know that the delay has been making it right i think it's beautiful like and and we're talking about the website and listeners please do go check out halisterscompass.com it's a it's a simple website but it gives you everything you need right there the pictures of the adventure itself the info the lore and everything where you can sign up and and you know subscribe and whatnot and it's just it it makes me want this like yesterday and <laughs> and i and i just cannot wait for it to come to fruition it's gonna be amazing i think I should. Um, I, re I really wish, and I, if if you, I could do anything again, I really wish I opened the conversation with that because I don't want to feel I've droned on for so long speaking to you. I want people to go check it out because the team are so good at this. They're yeah, they brought my story to life, and the logistics guy is just thriving to get some extras out there in the Kickstarter stretch. I'm mm -hmm. really excited to to see if people want to. Um, unravel the puzzle and actually solve a problem or just just be a hired hand yeah to do the employer's work you know we we want to get feedback out of all the people that play it and see how they ended the game yeah and one of the things we're tempted to do is hire the artist on the kickstarter for you know for one one stretch goal to paint a picture of the, the team that finish it one way That'd be that amazing. Popular? That's very popular. That I, I know an artist to be hired to do the end of adventure painting for people. You know, did you? Yeah. I've got to say, I have a great team we have uh, because I'm not Tolkien. I've just got the great story that my mates and I came up with years ago as we we challenged ourselves. So I've got an editor, I've got a typesetter, two two artists who are fantastic: Phil Hoskin and Hannah Friedrichson. Friedrich, sorry. We've got some a logistics guy involved. We've got play testers and, and the Twitter community as a whole. The Follow Friday has been helpful in gaining traction. Yeah. We're thankful. And I personally reach out to every single follower and say thank you to following me because we really need your help. 
you know, we, yeah. and, and it's all out of my savings because I want to, I was challenging the pub to do this, so I'm doing it. We're going to, we really want to see if we can actually give everyone else the enjoyment we had and a bit of a laugh. Well, yeah, I, I think you absolutely can. Like something like this, it's, it's what you're doing is very comparable to how, you know, big name, like video game publishers even will do what they do. They will, they will gauge interest. They will play test, play test, play test. They will drum up interest about it and they will really kind of get feedback on people to put like what works, what doesn't. And at the end, even if they have to push back the release of it, say a few months or so, people still love it. You know, people still want that. And I think that players such as D&D or tabletop role-playing game players, they are the kind of people who are more understanding about these kind of things because obviously you can't just churn out 10 adventures in like that. You know, it's it's just not going to happen. And, and as well as their understanding that things take time is like adventures themselves take an, a, a huge amount of time, you know, uh, not just in, in playing it, but, you know, getting things set up, getting people, getting people the time out of their day to do it and, and everything. And, yeah. and I think what you guys have in your hands is going to be amazing. And I wouldn't worry about what people might, if they're saying things like, oh, when's it going to be out? Because like it's, it just shows just how interested they are. And that's obviously well, something well, that's well. good. It's a nice thing to say. And one thing to just, you know, one thing, one other thing just to pop up quickly, because I really want to get this across. One of the innovations, one of the subtle innovations we put in for DMs is how we've written and laid out the, uh, hen- you know, courtesy of typesetter, Wayne Hodgkinson again, uh, you know, how we laid out the, the, the text is we've, yeah. helped, we've helped lay it out. So if you're stuck and you're flustered, you can just read the paragraph. So you've got your free story bit if you, yeah. if you want to not ad-lib it. Otherwise, we've got we've written it in a way so it's ordered so we can tell you how things are at a quick glance so you, you don't to lower your prep time. Mm-hmm. And we've inserted our non-copyright, because, of course, again, we're working to SRD 51, I think it is, mm-hmm. the, uh, OGL document from Games Workshop, sorry, not Games Workshop, from Wizards of the Coast, so we can, um, uh, you know, be copyrightless. So we put the monster boxes in, so the stats are quick reviewable. There's a quick yeah. reference sheet. We'll go with each adventure. We've put special boxes show if uh, the encounter, why the encounter is here, if it's to do with the prophecy, or. You know, so so you know if there's something special about an area, and um, the picture of the card, if it's a card location, that sort of thing. So basically, the DM doesn't have to overly think. Yeah, it's a bit of prep work. The prep work's on what's the surrounding area we're playing in. What's the kind of gin? You know, what's this adventure? Yeah, a quick reference while I'm playing without having to be distracting like we used to in the old days. Of oh, I'm just going to read this up. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we didn't smoke things. We're too young. It's like you can't take the smoke. <laughs> so we're just all twiddling our thumbs while the DM's reading the reading the monster manual, going, "Oh, what can this do? Oh, I can do that. I can do this." And then you start the session again. Yeah, because that goes back to flow. And yes, we want to help the DM that way. So we've we've done subtle innovations in how we present the material, and it's not and there's not too much to blind you. And then we've done the in a mechanic innovation of factions. 
Mm-hmm. The story innovation, which I alluded to, but obviously left to the last minute. So if anyone's held out to listen this far, firstly, thank you. And secondly, <laughs> the story innovation is, is people, if they do things for the employer, as they travel these settingless adventures, which could be put anywhere, they're touched by what's called the uh, prophecy feat. They can inherit a prophecy feat by being in an area that gives them a heebie-jeebies. They're Ooh. something that's quite unique. And I think everyone in life has ever, at some point in their life, come across something that's an area where they feel really just a shiver runs up their spine or they feel unsure about something or they feel uneasy. Oh, yeah. These are locations in, in the adventure where they have to make a save or they are inflicted with a prophecy feat. Once inflicted by the prophecy feat, one of four eldritch powers identified mm-hmm. by the card they by one of the suits in the card deck that they're playing with under factions starts to feed that character, that player, small snippets of information. And there were four eldritch powers. So because normally we were in our day, we were a four man team playing plus DM. making Yeah. And um, they're trying to convince the player to do something, whether it's for or against the employer. I like that creation so of course which we're, we're trying to basically challenge your thinking you know because normally when you have a story like the quest you feel you are doing your you are doing the right thing mm-hmm. these voices are telling you um alternate stories that can happen and, and and they're giving you their reason why and what they want you to do i love that Some simply want you to fetch something from one of the dungeons or enact something a, an action Others are working fully against the employer or, or others to hasten the employer's task. Yeah. It's up to you to decide when you listen to them. And of course, you could all pull the same Eldritch power, but most DMs would connivingly make each player have a different card. <laughs> right. But you've got four players with four Eldritch powers pushing them or, or asking them, coercing them to do something. Yeah. The employer beseeching them, please go find the key. And to do that, you need Hallister's Compass. And Love the players it. Players in the middle going, I only went in the pub for a drink. Oh, you know. <laughs> and then one of them's going, but someone stole my bloody shoes. Who's that? Right. And so you've got this, you know, there's comedy, there's flow, there's story, there's adventure, and there's the settingless. And what is it everyone is trying to get them to do? It's madness. Yeah. I love it. I. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun madness. <laughs> That's exactly. Did you ever know of a game called Paranoia years ago? Uh, hmm. I, okay. I, think I've, I think I've heard it mentioned. I don't know much about it. It's stir-fry crazy. Not that this was – we weren't doing that in, in this campaign, but we liked the – it would just get you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we've recreated that here, because – we're not trying to be paranoid is that um, mm-hmm. everything has a purpose. There is a reason for everything. So, you know, and you can kill something that's quite critical, but then yeah. there are, there are ways it plays out otherwise. And there is no one, there is no set answer, by the way, there is multiple endings, but in the original one, I'll be honest, as you asked me the question, is this different from what you wrote 30 years ago? Y- yes, there was. The players didn't realize they did. There was no mm. choice really. But yeah. now we want to enlarge that.
I love that. It's change like that is, is, is important. And I think what we've talked about before ties in great because like change like this is something that probably makes it better, you know, because, you know, you grow and you learn as you get older and as you experience more different things and whatnot. And I don't think it could do anything but aid in this sort of a setting or when I say setting, you know, in this sort of an environment like D&D and what you're doing with Hallister's Compass and everything. So it's going to be great. I, I cannot wait for that. I'm so chuffed. And, and anyone that signs up will get the free, the, the fully playable first adventure, the prologue adventure, how you meet the employer and how he coerces you. And it's a very clever, clever trap. And uh, the prophecy, the Mirrorland prophecies, which is what it's all about, Hallister's Compass. And the map booklet, which of the of the first adventure and the tavern. So that will all be given. And I want to give that to you, Austin, for you to try at your table and see if you, if we are total loons <laughs> worthy of your time to play. So. Oh, absolutely. You're worthy. I just so much times now through talking about how this just compass here, I've just been like, Oh, I just want to like call up my players and be like, Hey, guess what? <laughs> We've got a cool adventure we're doing best get ready make some new characters like we're doing it and it's just i'm so excited like i cannot wait for this it's something so cool and it's good it's fully playable the first adventure you don't have to then you don't have to then follow us on the kickstarter because we we're not mercantile we're you know we're just trying to bring our thing to life yeah if you took nothing else from it but enjoyed the first adventure and you just posted something somewhere and said oh i thought that's great thank you that that is enough for us well, good. Yeah, I think that's important too. I myself, with with this podcast, I'm not trying to do anything with it other than give people like you somewhere to to speak about the passions that you have, and like my catchphrase says, "Add a bit of wealth to the chest." You know, like I literally mean that. Like I I love getting the chance to talk to people like you and the the people who I have previously talked to, and the ones I have lined up because each of you have something amazing to bring to the table, uh, whether that table is your D&D gaming table or this table that we are speaking on or whatever have you. And it's just amazing. Well, I do feel I've meandered throughout our conversation. So if, for any listeners that do, you know, enjoy your podcast, I apologize if we've, um, if we feel like we skipped along and, and not kept to a tight time, tight agenda. Nah. Um, it's just, it's just that your way, Austin, is a nice way just to chat along as we go. So, and I like yeah. that. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I do want to bring it back though to something you were talking about earlier. I can't remember if it was before we recorded or not, though. But you were, you were, we were talking about our children. I think this must have been before we recorded, though. You were saying how he's getting into a bunch of these sorts of video games and even tabletop games and stuff like that, though. I would love to know if there is much of a difference or maybe how you yourself would compare to the gaming that you experienced as a, as a kid or as a child, as a young man, whatever have you from to what you see compared to what your son is experiencing now. If there's, if there's a big, big, big difference in that, or if it's very like, I can understand that that's something that, you know, is easily, well, I guess we'll go back to something that you said that, that flows well between these generations, I guess. Yeah, it's a good question. The, well, the truth is, scientifically, you could argue if you looked at the, if you looked at the the rules of a game, there's no difference because they're still 
there's still an aim, a goal, or whatever. What my son's playing now still, he has a mission, but the medium has changed so drastically you wouldn't recognise it. So yeah, I played things. I come. I had the first, one of the first um, tennis games that the bat move up and down. Boop, boop, boop. Oh, uh, what? the ball, bit the ball pong? across the screen. Bats yeah. Up. Uh, I think it was like top pong or something. Yeah, my goodness, that's it. Spot on. <laughs> oh, high five there. So my son's now playing. I mean, he's eleven, obviously. He's much older than that than I was when I played pong. But you know, he's on um, Apex Legends or something. Or, oh my gosh! I mean, it's just it's like, and I we used to uh, years ago play competitively CS:GO. But you know, he's he's way ahead. <laughs> audience, for any of the listeners, then try to you know worry that he's too you know doing too much gaming i sure sure people is not um we 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 limit his time but when he has the time he chooses he's allowed to and he plays something like that that's fast and furious it's not the same medium we had and i think dungeons and dragons it's a personal opinion only is more enticing to get into because it's about meeting people and face to face yeah, we played it because we had nothing else to do, and it was so. It was the theater of the mind. It was so amazing to just yeah. lose yourself in these worlds. Absolutely, and, and we've weaved a story here that we believe is so brilliant because we had we were in fits of laughter nonstop, and yeah. we set a challenge. We want to bring that forward, but my my getting my son into I didn't start D and D till. A secondary school and he's not there yet he's about to start but he's done so many things for secondary school that we just didn't even have mm-hmm. that's not me doing a monty python sketch of you, know, <laughs> you know, i welcome uh, those i love monty python so yeah well so do we and we love the whole what we call missed humor yeah uh, as i said like things recur later because you missed it the first time and you suddenly get it um not the joke that is you suddenly get that the ongoing the ongoing um, story is just non-stop the joke. Right. He's done so many things that we wouldn't, we didn't have. I don't mean that, like I said, Monty Python style. It's just different. Hostile. Yeah. Times, I mean, we are lucky in that, unlike the, the generation above us who have trouble with technology, I hope that we are savvy enough that we can, can uh, relate to them when they are trying to do stuff with us later. Yeah. So what I mean by that is my mum, bless her, I have real trouble doing anything with technology-wise and uh, <laughs> versus I can still, I can do stuff with my son on his Xbox Switch or whatever it is. Um, or, or when he brings stuff home from school on the laptop kind of thing. So I think there is a change, but the scientifically the underlying rules of the game haven't changed. Still yeah. Or fetch something or solve a problem or... yeah. yeah accomplish a task of some yes, sort that, that that gets you either a reward or just just the feeling of like you did it accomplishment you know absolutely i i like how you're talking about how where you said you felt like your preference was D, you know because of what it what it can give you and it, and it is very much that theater of the mind versus what i might call like theater of the moment or theater of the screen to what video games that's what video games are they're they're a theater of the moment they're they're very flashy a lot some of them are not all of them a game like apex legends or stuff like call of duty or csgo they're fun they sure are fun 
because they are very competitive and who, you know, we as humans love competition and (laughs) yeah, true, true. If we lose, that's it. We're not having any fun. Shockingly bad guy. Don't like that one. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But it is so, such a vastly different environment between those games that are, you know, shoot and kill, shoot and kill, shoot and kill. And that's their only goal. Whereas a game like D and D, sure. You can, you know, roll a dice and kill, roll a dice and kill. But you get so much more with a game like D&D or in other video games that their whole focus isn't that. And and I think it's, I would say it's an important aspect to have in a game that can almost um, teach you and, and help you learn and grow through narration and through storytelling. Yes. Which, which I think, you know, obviously D&D definitely allows you to do. Absolutely. As well as, yeah. No, I was going to say absolutely, and, and you know the power of the DM as well brings this brings this to you. Great DMs are it's, it's a it's a breed, isn't it? It's a type of character trait, and some DMs yeah. are great at really bringing a great story to you. Absolutely, the best out. I mean, the problem with the video games as well is they're a bit hyper real sometimes, so people can come yeah. up in quite angst angsty moods. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. That that can really transfer over, and it can also too in D and D. But I think it's just because, or at least not just because, but I think in D&D, the, the takeaway between, you know, a tabletop game and a video game is if you come away from a video game super, super angry, it's just because someone might be better than you at, you know, being faster on the draw yeah. or, or something like that. It's, it's not an actual skill that they really have. The, I guess you could call a skill. Whereas in D&D, if you're upset, it's like, you may have just been, you know, your character that you've had for six years may have just been killed, or you may have just inadvertently awoken an ancient dragon that is now set on destroying your hometown or something. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell? Like, that's just, it's, it's those moments that are, that make these two games so different. And I think that's true. I mean, yeah, firstly as well, you forget you, although it's difficult when you watch the online games, because it doesn't happen so much, but in our day, you used to entreatise the referee, the DM. You'd be, you know, oh, oh, do, do I have to die? You know, yeah. There's a referee you can you can put your case forward, <laughs> beg almost. It's and, true. And people get angry with the dice more than the person, you know. Yeah, yeah. PSR wrote the, wrote the story that it was a dragon, you know. You, you yeah. came here, you, you went in the cave. Um Video games are, which I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get hung on this at the end of the our conversation. Oh yeah, no, no, no. But it's just, um, it's different. You asked us what's different. Um, what do you think is different? Between, you know, because I was talking about my son earlier. He's leaning towards um, uh, TTRPG. You heard me uh, misquote, which is the coast earlier as being Games Workshop. That's because he's into Games Workshop stuff at the moment. And um, whereas I've got tons of all my D and D books from before you know which is the coast and stuff PSR <laughs> and everything so he's he's leaning towards it and he's coming around to it once he has the patience to be more into reading rule books he'll be he'll be in for this stuff like like flynn oh and yeah I can tell this is demeanor so i look forward to that well, good and and as i was saying to you as well like i just cannot my son is only three now but i cannot wait till he's old enough to really grasp the concepts of these sorts of games and get into them and just see the growth and the change that he will experience in his own time. Yes. 
if hopefully this game will, you know, stick around for a long time, but of what the game is when he first gets into it, what the game is whenever he's in his forties or fifties or so, and just, just how much that the change that he will experience as a person will affect that game as well. And, and thus vice versa that I think that makes these games really special because you do have so much takeaway in a game like D and D at the end of a session or at the end of a long campaign they can have lasting effects on you. Yeah, people yeah. get so attached to their characters. Yeah, yeah, they do. And I still remember our first few and, and endearingly. Oh, absolutely. And um, now DMs, now the player's handbook is more power to the character, the, the, the person, you know, setting them up. Yeah. And DMs have people arrive at their table and someone's written like a five-page five backlog. Of mm-hmm. And... Um, to, so to go back to one of your early questions and to try and finish things up, so I don't want to absolutely make people, you know, bore themselves to tears. <laughs> but some of the stuff we've the variancy we put in is we've taken into account people who like role play because not everyone does and not everyone's comfortable with it. It's fine. People, some people just want to roll dice. For those that come to the table with a giant history backlog, we've put some nice surprises in. Ooh. And, even though you could say, well, hold on, you don't know what I've written yet. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know anything about me. We've given the DMs some tools to have some real fun, not at your expense, but with you, and really get the best out of you. Nice. And um, we're really looking forward to it. I'm really. looking forward to it as well. And I hope the listeners are as, as equally as, as I am. Well, to wrap things up now, my last question to you, still dealing with change and innovation, what sort of changes would you like to see made in the future of, of Hallister's Compass, if any? That's like an interview question. And um, Ed, who's who my, my uh, partner who's into logistics, has always said, Ed, because of course we're all called Ed in this team, Ed, be prepared. <laughs> and um, so <laughs> try and turn a negative into a positive. We already planned this. So Hallister's Compass was originally going to be 20 adventures. Oh, wow. But we split it into 10 because we didn't think people would cope with the length of it. And there, there is a sequel, but it's up, to, it's up to what they do with the Casson of the ages. So to end on a spoiler, uh, so if people up to reward people that listened this far, um, we mentioned if you enjoyed your backstory and if you brought stuff to the table, um, the Casson of the ages, the more you do stuff with the employer, the more... You become attuned to the Casson of the ages, as the employer does. Mm. And the DM over time will ask you about your backstory and will read your stuff and just what's interests you. And then you will be asked by the DM or told by the DM that the, the chest, inside the chest is something, and he will know, he will know more about you now. So, for example, he might have said, oh, let's say you, um, you're trying to right a wrong because your mother was murdered at a you know whatever age or something and you're you're trying to right that wrong and find that warlord and slay them <laughs> so on tunes to you and goes um I, i've i've got your mother's soul i've oh, I, I can i can deliver your mother's soul to you if you open me oh my gosh give you that redemption so there are there are tools there and um the spoiler is the chest will attune to each player and offer them their greatest wish if he if that player opens them it's oh, so juicy i love it so juicy but but you know so does that lead that leads you to ask some questions does that does. mean the, the employer is simply being told what he wants to hear 
Victoria know that indeed the tools of creation are in the chest. Oh my God. My mind's just literally like being blown right now. Of, like of like just, I said, Alice's uh, compass is a myriad. Every, even now when I storyboard it, and we do storyboard meetings in the Druid's head. So the Druid's head, by the way, is where I drink with my, with Ed. And um, the Druid's head is the pub you meet the employer in. Ah. In the picture on halluscompass.com. And it's the pub where at the end of every adventure between every world you visited or every location, wherever the settings are, you return to. And it can be anywhere in anyone's world. And it itself has its own patrons that have their own story. They're involved in everything. Everything has a reason. Oh my God. Like I, (laughs) I just, I need this now, Ed. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Now when I visit, when we go for a drink and a storyboard catch up, Ed, the other Ed keeps going, I I just got a question on this. What question on this again? What, what? And I go, look, look, look at the, you know, and I get the, the map out, the document, the, the overarching plan, which will be released as a spoiler supplement if people want. Because uh, DMs can, if they want, not know the outcome and can learn it with each adventure or they can... Oh, incredible. The overarching end story. So we've done that as well. But even Ed keeps saying, oh, I've just got this question on this point. It's like, nah, nah, nah. Nah, it's nothing to do with shoes, that one. No, no. <laughs> So, you know, it's all, yeah, it's good. And um, we really, I've spent my savings on it. So I've got, there were two promises. It will come to Kickstarter. Um, something will happen because I've spent my money, my own savings on it to happen. I can't Beautiful. vouch for if we get it to the end to actual print, but the, there will be a PDF sample at the end of it, no matter what, of everything. I love that. That I could not be more excited. And Listeners, please, we've mentioned it several times, but go to halisterscompass.com and check out what they got there. It is it is such it is enough to just pull you in and make you want more. And I hope that by listening to this interview, it has grabbed you even more and you are ready to have this adventure. And I I I I just can't. I just can't do it anymore. I just need it. I want it. <laughs> Thank you. It's going to be amazing. You know, you know, like I said at the start before we recorded, that fires us up to finish it. It's coming. It's happening. There you go. You're doing it. Nothing's going to change that. How about that? Nothing. Austin, nothing. And nothing. please do keep in touch. I absolutely will. And you can be absolutely sure of that. Thank you, Ed, just so, so much for taking the time to come on here with me and talk about this for for just me and you and the listeners and i've had a great time talking to you i'd like to thank anyone that stuck through it and uh i apologize if at any time uh we may have distracted and wandered off but uh you know thank you thank you for listening and thank you austin for for giving us this platform absolutely i wouldn't have it any other way thank you so much listeners for joining us today i will see you the next time you open the ironbound chest Hey there, treasure hunters. It's the end of the show, so I'd like to take some time to thank those of you who have left ratings and reviews for my podcast. Thank you to Casserole, who said in July, a podcast that you can tell already has a lot of heart and quality to it. Episode one was great. 
and I can't wait to jump onto the next two that were just posted. Highly recommend this to anyone in the TTRPG community to support the show and give it a listen. Thank you so much, Casserole. And listeners, please leave a rating and review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever else you can rate and review this show. Not only is it incredibly helpful for my podcast, but I will gladly give you a shout out and read your review. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week when we add some more wealth to the Ironbound Chest.